I tried to count them all, but there were so many of them out there and they all want us dead. They all want to make us suffer for what my father has done. But I can't, I can't think about it. This is fine, it's fine. Just breathe. Wait, what is that? Why are they screaming like that? It sounds like they're being tortured. A stranger grabs my hand and pulls me out of the house with my sister and my parents. The men outside are all screaming and blood is running from their eyes. Why is this happening? Where are these strangers taking us? I'm gasping for air and we're pulled through the city and out past the walls. We stop for a moment and I hear one of the strangers scream for us to run and run and whatever we do, do not look back. I hear the panic in my father's voice as he tells us to run. It's in that moment I look up and see the fire falling from the sky. The next thing I know, we're running and sounds of screaming and destruction are getting louder and louder behind us. And I hear people wailing in agony and their bodies are burning. I look to my left just as my mother turns around. No, the strangers told us, no, she can't. She's not supposed to do that, but she did. And I hear her scream cut off as she is petrified in stone. It's so hard to breathe. We've been running for so long. Finally, my father stops. The sounds have died down, but the smell of burning flesh is everywhere. I turn and look for the city, but all I see is smoke, and I know everything we knew is gone. Hey guys, we're so glad you're tuning into the Apex Students Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Apex Students, and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. Yo, what's up, guys? Welcome to week three of Sunday School Stories to Tell in the Dark. This is a series where we break down a bunch of terrifying tales from the Bible, and we pull out what God is trying to say to us through those stories. Yes, what you just heard is from the Bible, and we will get to that right now. We, have, we are running out of time, so I'm going to go fast, so get, get ready for what's about to happen. So two weeks ago, we covered Fishboy. Then we covered the floating hand of doom. And this week, we're going to dive into the book of Genesis. Yeah, the, the book of Genesis. And we're going to talk about a man named Lot and how his family had to flee from the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay? That is what we're going to talk about tonight. But before we get directly into the story, I want to talk about the character for a little bit. The main character of the story. His name is Lot. Yeah, like a parking lot. That's who that is. His name is Lot. And he's actually the nephew of a man that we've talked about in here before. Uh, His name is Abraham. We've talked about him, right? This is the guy that God chose to be the father of his people, Israel, uh, the people that Jesus would come from, and, you know, then Jesus would save the world, right? So that guy, Abraham, this this guy Lot is his nephew, so they're related. And uh, that's pretty cool. So this guy, his name is Lot. He's super rich. He's married. He has at least two kids, two daughters for sure. Um, and he like follows God for the most part, but you know, like some of us, we kind of, you know, he goes up and down. Um, and for a while he and his uncle were like living together, basically, like they lived next to each other and they were both rich. So they had a bunch of livestock and eventually there was just so many of them that people were starting to get into fights about like whose land was which land and where could these sheep be. So Abraham was like, we need to split up. So he's like, hey, Lot, let's go to the top of this hill. Let's look around. And uh, you go in one direction, and I will go in the other direction. And we'll split up a little bit. And Lot's like, okay, perfect. So they get to the top of this hill, and he's looking out, and he sees this land. 
that's like, it's the best. It's like this really nice valley, and it's super close to a city. He's like, oh, access to a city. I'll be able to, you know, like sell some sheep or something. So he's like, I'm going to go that way. And then Abraham goes in the opposite direction. God kind of warns him. He's like, hey, don't like get too close to that city because there's not the best people living uh, in that city. Uh, and that's where our story picks up in Genesis. God is talking to Abraham one day, right? He's like, yo, what's up, Abraham? They're talking. And just like casually, he mentions, he's like, so you know, Sodom, Gomorrah, so many bad people, so I'm just going to crisp up the place a little bit, okay? And then he moves on. And Abraham's like, wait, 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 wait. What? What's happening? And he's like, oh, yeah, we're going to crisp up the place a little bit. Don't worry about it. And Abraham's like, okay, what if, what if there are like 50 good people in that city? Are you still going to crisp up the place. And he's like, fine, if there's 50 people, I won't do it. And then Abraham's like, okay, uh, what about 35? And God's like, no, I won't do it if there's 35. And Abraham keeps getting lower and lower until finally he says, God, what if there's just 10 good people in this city? Will you, will you still crisp it up? And God's like, no, if there's 10 good people, I won't crisp up the city. It's like, okay, cool. Now we move to Lot. The story moves on to Lot. We, just, we leave that behind and we go right to Lot. And Lot is sitting at the, like the, the gate of the city. He's just chilling there. That's where they would do business. There was a lot of stuff that happened at the gate. So he was there sitting at the gate of the city, and two strangers walk into the city, right? These angels, these are angels. These strangers are angels. At the moment, Lot doesn't know that, but he sees these strangers, and he's like, hey, come into my house. I'll give you a feast. You obviously you know, don't belong here. And he shows them like this really good hospitality. So he has these people in his house, and then the next thing you know, the people of the city are like at the door of his house, mad. They're like, hey, we want those people out here because we want to hurt them. And the people of the city were like, they were known to like force themselves onto other people. That's putting it lightly. And so Lot's like, hey, I don't want that to happen. Like, I'm trying to keep these people safe. These are my family now. I have them in here. And so he's like, you can't come in. And let me tell you something real quick. Just a side note, that is how important consent is to God. He destroyed a city of people because their culture said no to consent. That is, so just like, yes, we love consent here, just so everyone knows, and so does God. So uh, these guys are mad. And this is when the angels do some angel nonsense, okay? They, these, these people charge a lot. And he's like, oh, no. So the angels, they pull him inside, and then the angels blind everybody. Okay, so this is where we are on the story. Everyone's blind. That were trying to attack Lot. And Lot's like, okay, uh, what's going on? And the angels are like, time to go, because this place is going to get crispy soon. So Lot tries to tell his family, he's like, we need to go. No one's believing him. It takes them basically all night. And the angels are finally like, yo, it's about to go down. So they take Lot and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, and they literally run them outside the city. And it says in Genesis uh, 1817, it says, this is what the angels told him. He said, run for your lives and don't look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the mountains or you will be swept away. And Lot's like, okay, the mountains are pretty far and it seems a little bit scary. So he's like, what if I just go like directly to that like village that's a little bit closer because I don't want to run that far and the mountains are scary. And the angels are like, okay, fine. Go to the village. We will just, you know, spare the village, and you'll be fine inside the village. So they're running, and they're running. And it's at this point in the story that Lot's wife turns back. Um, and this is where Lot's wife, she, she instantly turns into salt. But 
And that's what I did imply in like the dramatic reading is that she turns around and instantly turns into salt. But I was doing a lot of reading and uh, people were talking about the original Hebrew and some scholars think that it wasn't that she actually just immediately turned into salt. The Hebrew word is like she went back. Like she turned around and she went back into the city. So it's not like, I, I always grew up thinking that I was like, she instantly turned into salt. But there is a, a chance that really what happened is that when she turned around and went back into the city, all the sulfur and everything turned her, like petrified her like everything else that was there. Thought that was cool. That was a little, another side note. Um, the story ends with a lot the sun comes up and Lot's looking over the destruction and that is how our story ends. Uh, it's a little bit of a bummer, kind of like the other ones that we've been doing, but this one kind of ends a little nicer for our main character than the past couple have, you know. He doesn't seem as, you know, things aren't as bad for him. Uh, and you're probably sitting out there right now and you're like, okay, cool, cool story, cool story, um, but like, why does it matter to me? What's the point, right? That's probably what you're thinking, right? Tell your neighbor, so, so what? Say that to your neighbor, uh, every single neighbor right now. <sighs> Guys, I'm so glad you asked because that is the perfect question. And honestly, this is a question that you should be reading or saying all the time. Like every single time you read the Bible, you should get done reading the Bible and then you should say, so what? And sometimes it is super easy and blatant. Like when it says, hey, don't murder people. I'm going to tell you what that means for you is you just don't murder people, right? Super easy. That's, a, that's an easy one. But sometimes we have to dig a little bit deeper than what's like right on the surface to get what God is telling us through the story. So we are going to highlight three things God is telling us through the story. But first, I'm going to tell you that I have been uh, doing keto now for like a month. And it's awful, and it basically means I don't get to eat anything good or uh, have fun or be happy. And so what I've been doing instead of that, and instead of eating the food, I have been watching hours upon hours of the Great British Baking Show and just watching people uh, make and consume bread because I can't, you know, that's, that's kind of where I am. I think it's because I hate myself a little bit. I'm like, I just want to see bread but not be able to taste it. Um, and the craziest thing about this show is that like, they're like making all these amazing doughs that turn into bread, but if someone adds just like a little too much butter, the bread doesn't work. Or if they add just like a little bit too much flour, it goes flat and it tastes awful. Like it's just the tiniest little bit of something in the dough that is wrong that will ruin it. And that's super true for our lives. Every single thing that we mix into the dough of our lives will have an effect on us. So we're gonna talk about three things that God wants us to mix into the dough of our lives, okay? This is what we're gonna talk about. Three things to mix into the dough of our lives. We're gonna talk about number one. He wants us to get mixed up with the outsider and the foreigner because how we treat people is very, very important. If you've been paying attention at all, you realize that, wait a minute, didn't you talk about this with Jonah and didn't you also kind of talk about this last week? And the answer is yes. Yes, I did talk about it multiple weeks in a row. You want to know why? Because it is that important to God. God, we, like I've, we've talked about before, we are representations of Jesus, which means it is our responsibility to treat people the way that Jesus would want us to treat people. We have a good example in Lot, right? He called those outsiders in to his house. He made them food. He welcomed them to his home, gave them a place to stay, and he was willing to defend them when people wanted to hurt them. And that's what God calls us to do. He asks us not to judge people, but to treat people the way that we would want to be treated. 
So let's, let's jump over really quick. I want to show you what Jesus is talking about. He talks about this in, in Matthew. And the verses we're about to read, this is Jesus. He's talking about like the final, the final judgment here, okay? And um, like when he comes back to make everything right, that's, that's what this, these verses are talking about. And the king that he's referring to is like God the Father who is talking, okay? So here we go. Matthew chapter 26 says this. There's a lot here, so stick, stick with me. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you? Hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink. Or see you as a stranger and offer you hospitality. When were you naked and we gave you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And then the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. So what Jesus is saying here is that it's our job to get mixed up with the people in need. Because if we're you know, looking the other direction and not getting mixed up with these people, how can we help them? And he, he literally says this later on. And if we're not helping people, if we're turning the other way, this is what he says. It says in uh, verse 45, I tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you're refusing to help me. So when we look away from the people in need, when we look away from the thirsty, when we look away from the hungry, we're literally looking away from God. The people of Sodom were so against these outsiders that they would force themselves on people and kill them. And God doesn't like it when innocent people get hurt. That's why he was so willing. He's like, if there's 10 people in there, I'll save that city. Because he doesn't want anyone innocent to die. He doesn't want the innocent to be hurt. You're probably like, well, okay, what is this? What is, how do I do anything about this then? How do I mix this into my life? And it could mean a lot of different things. Easy things like, I mean, kind of easy things, like volunteering at shelters. Um, there's like food banks that you can, you can go and help and volunteer at. You can give money to organizations if you have money. You can volunteer your time. You can invite someone into your house and cook them a meal. You can see someone on the side of the road that's like looking for food. You can give them those nuggets that I know you just bought. <sighs> I know, yeah. And I know things are weird now because of the pandy and inviting actual strangers into your house isn't necessarily the like, wisest thing to do. Um, but you can invite the kid that's on the outside into your friend group. You can look for people around you who are picked on and stand up for them. And then you can be kind to people. Just be kind to people, guys. So many people are looking for someone just to be nice to them. And for some reason, the people on the outside and the foreigners, the people in need are often not looked on in a kind way. So... Jesus is asking us to be kind, to mourn with those who mourn. Does your life reflect this? Does the way that your friends and you, they talk together, does this reflect what Jesus is asking us to do? Does your uh, Twitter timeline or uh, your post on Instagram reflect the way that we should be treating people? None of it's easy, but Jesus isn't calling us to an easy life. So that was number one. We need to get mixed up with the outsider and the foreigner because how we treat people is important. Number two, Get mixed up with other Jesus followers because our friendships are important. Okay, Lot and his family were warned about the people of that city, right? Like, they, they kind of knew that there was, like, some not-so-good people in there. And when, when they first went into that valley, they were nomads. They, like, lived in tents, and they just went around wherever their, their animals went. But by the time we catch up with them later on in the story, they have moved from outside the city to they are living inside the city with all of these people. And... 
Lot was almost destroyed because the friendships he had made put him in a place where he knew he shouldn't have been. And sadly, Lot's, Lot's wife was in so deep that when mercy was offered to her, she like turned around and went back. <laughs> this is why Christian friendships are so important. Because I know for a fact that we've all been somewhere where we're like, I shouldn't be here. But the friends that you were around at the moment put you in a place where you knew you shouldn't be. Christian friendships are so important because they offer us a place to have questions, to have discussions. And when one person is looking for Jesus and you're right there with them, it'll just strengthen both of you together. Uh, it says a bunch of times in the Bible how important this is to for like to have good friends and to have uh, to have good friends because it says this and there's a bunch of there's a bunch of them I'm going to highlight three. So First Corinthians says this: bad company corrupts good character. Proverbs. 13 says, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Proverbs 12 says, the godly give good advice to their friends. The wicked lead them astray. And I'm not saying that you need to cut out all Christians from your life or non-Christians from your life because we're called to make disciples. We're called to witness to people, right? And how can we do that if we're not friends with any of them? But what I am saying is that for every non-Christian voice you have in your life, you should have a Christian voice in your life, a Jesus-following voice that is just as loud. Think about, you know about Newton's third law? You know about that one, right? Does anybody know it? Okay, for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. Think about that, but with the voices in your life. For every single negative voice, you need to have a positive voice to keep you on track, to keep you grounded with Jesus. It says this in Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help them. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. And there's another verse that talks about, like, if you, it's, like a, it's about a rope, and there's all these like, strings. It's like the more strands you have on this rope, the, t like, the better it'll be. And every single time you add a Christian friend to your group, that rope gets tighter, and it's easier to, to hang on, and you won't break. So look for Jesus-following friends. Don't find yourself alone. Spoiler alert, look around you. You're not alone. There are Christian friends all around you. So talk to people around you. Make friends. Okay, also, a bit of a side note here. Uh, Lot's daughters were engaged to men of the city, and that almost ruined things for them because they didn't, like, the ghost guys didn't leave. Um, so, like, don't think that you can date someone that is a non-Christian. I guarantee you it will end badly for you. It, the relationship with them will end badly, or your relationship with Jesus will end badly when you decide to date someone that is not a Jesus follower. It's just a little side note. So, anywho, uh, God is telling us, one, get mixed up with the outsider and the foreigner because how we treat people is important. Number two, get mixed up with other Jesus followers because our friendships are important. And lastly... Get mixed up with Jesus because who we follow is important. So it says this in Genesis 19.26, But Lot's wife looked back as she was following behind him, and she turned into a pillar of salt. I read this verse a bunch of times, and every single time it made me think, like, who am I following behind? Because as Jesus followers, we are called to follow Jesus. Jesus and to follow Jesus alone. And I think Lot's wife forgot who she was following. She, she got confused because she was really following God's voice to get out of the city. Those angels said, hey, get out of the city. She was following God's voice. But yeah, I, I know it says that she was following Lot. I know that's what the verse says. And I think that was the problem. 
She should have been following God, but her focus was on Lot instead of on Jesus, instead of on God. She looked up and saw, wait a minute, I'm not, I'm following Lot. And she remembered all the times that Lot had done stupid things. You know, we all do stupid things. She looked up and she's like, I remember all the dumb things he said to me. I remember that he's let me down, that he's disappointed me. And she turned and stopped believing because she forgot that she was following God. Jesus called us multiple times in the Bible to follow him. And uh, John 10, 27 says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. We are the sheep in the situation. Um, we are. And uh, we are, so he's saying, follow me. Know my voice is what he's telling us. So who are we following? Are we really following Jesus? I've been in the place where I thought I was following Jesus, but really I was following people that were talking about Jesus. And there came a point where those people let me down. And because I didn't really know the voice of Jesus, because I, my focus wasn't on Jesus, I thought that Jesus let me down. And then there was all this pain associated with it. And I remember saying, Jesus, you let me down. And I remember walking out. And I was like, hey, bye, bye, Jesus. Jesus disappointed me. And the pain, it truly did affect my relationship with Jesus, and it took me a long time to get over the pain of disappointment before I realized, wait a minute, that wasn't Jesus at all. Those were the people around me. And I was a lucky one, because most people that don't focus on Jesus and then feel disappointed, most of them don't, a lot of them don't come back, because the pain is so hard to overcome. What I'm saying is, Yes, have Christian friends. Yes, listen to pastors, listen to teachers, listen to those people on Instagram that are preaching. But at the end of the day, it is up to us to be focused on and following Jesus. It is so, 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 so easy to become a Jesusless Jesus follower. You start, you know, you start listening to that person. Like I said, you're you're listening to the teacher, and next thing you know, you're just you're just blindly following, blindly trusting what this person's saying to you over and over and over again and you're focusing on them, and you're focusing on them, like, oh, look at what he said. Look at this. I can't believe this was such a good word. Over and over again, and then your, your focus shifts from, from Jesus to that person because you couldn't tell the difference between their voice and Jesus' voice. So who are we following? Is it our parents, or is it Jesus? Who are we following? Our friends or Jesus? Our small group leaders or Jesus? Our pastors, our teachers, or is it Jesus? Is it the Republicans? Is it the Democrats? Is it the American dream? Or is it Jesus? Like I said, if we aren't careful, we're going to end up following a messed up version of who we thought Jesus was. And then when we mix those things into the dough of our lives, we'll come out with something that looks like bread but smells and tastes like garbage. It's just true. When you mix it into your life, it will be bad. And the and we need to make sure that we're following Jesus. And the easiest way to follow Jesus is to know his voice. And that means be in your Bible. That means when someone tells you something, to double check what they said. Open up your Bible. Say, oh, this is what the Bible says. Pray, read, know God's voice so that when someone says something to you that might not exactly line up with Jesus, you can hear the difference between their voice and the voice of Jesus. Like I said, don't blindly trust me or blindly trust pretty much anyone that's speaking into your life. Um, now, this doesn't mean you get to be rude to people, and it doesn't mean that you don't trust people. Because there will be people that speak into your life that are the voices of God. 
It is just, we need to own it ourselves. That's the end of it. You need to own it yourself. So when someone speaks something into your life, like I said, open up your Bible, know the voice of God, know the difference. Derek, you can put some music on if you want to. I forgot to tell you when to do that. Like I said, it doesn't mean you get to disobey your parents, and it doesn't mean that God can't speak through people. But we need to make this faith journey our own, because I promise you that if you have faith in anyone else other than Jesus, other than the Savior of the world, that you will be disappointed, because everyone will eventually disappoint you. Pastor Chris will disappoint you. I will disappoint you. Most likely, at some point in your life, your parents are going to disappoint you. That person that you watch on Instagram every day is going to disappoint you, but Jesus will never disappoint you. It may feel super weird at first to be like, I wonder if that's really in the Bible, but I promise you, the more you do it, the more right it's going to feel. And I also promise you that there's if these people are really Jesus followers, they'll be excited that you're getting into the scripture. They'll be excited that you're double-checking what they say. I'll be excited. If you come up to me and say, hey, I don't know, how did this work? I'm in the scripture. I don't, I don't get it. I will be so excited because that means you're making your faith your own. God is big enough that we can have questions and he can answer them. He's big enough that these questions don't scare him. But here's the thing. Questions without looking for an answer is just an excuse to walk away. I did it, so I know. I know for a fact that if you're just asking questions without actually seeking a real answer, that it's just an excuse to walk away. So don't do that. Look, learn the voice of Jesus. And maybe you are in this room and you've already turned around because you got hurt. First of all, I am so sorry that there are people that hurt you, that you were disappointed by people either in the church or Jesus followers around you. That wasn't Jesus. That was people. But I know that my Jesus can mend every broken heart and heal every wound because I've seen him do it. I was on the verge of giving up. I was on the verge of, you know, being done with everything. I didn't trust anyone around me. But then Jesus came and he showed me who he was and who I was through him. And he gave me a purpose. He gave me a mission. He put me up and said, hey, I have a reason for you to be here. And it's the mission that he's going to give to everyone, right? And it's to join him in the story of redemption. He redeemed Lot. He pulled Lot out of that city. And he's pulling all of us out of the city of destruction every single day. He's like, hey, let's go. Come with me. Move away from this destruction. It's the story of redemption that all started back with Adam and Eve. And God was like, hey, you messed up. But he immediately told them that redemption was coming, that there was a Savior coming. And then he moved on to Adam. And he's like, hey, Adam, through your family is how this redemption is going to come. Through you, I'm going to save everything. Guys, hold on. We're going to save everything. And then we see throughout the whole Old Testament that we see God giving mercy to people over and over and saying, hey, it's coming, it's coming. And then Jesus comes here and he closes the separation that everyone felt, that separation that sin caused. And now we get to have a relationship with him, but it's not done yet. We're still on this journey, on the story that he's telling, because someday Jesus is going to come back and he's going to make everything that's broken right. He's going to heal every single wound and it's going to be the best. And we get to be part of that story. Every single one of us, there are stories in the Bible of redemption, but our lives are stories of redemption. When you follow Jesus, your life becomes a story of redemption. So let's be like Lot, run out of the city and have a story to tell. Let's get mixed up with the right stuff, okay? So let's get mixed up with the outsider and the foreigner because that's 
super important, and hospitality is important to Jesus. Let's get mixed up with other Jesus-following friends. And finally, let's make sure that we're mixed up with Jesus and Jesus alone. Let's make sure that we know his voice. Guys, let's get this bread. Yeah? Yeah, okay. Dear God, I thank you so much that you have redeemed all of us and that we are part of the story that you're telling, the story that is woven into the world, God, the story of redemption. Help us to see the foreigner, to see the outsider, and not to turn our blind eye, to help the sick, to help the lost, to help those in prison. God, help us to find Christian friends and then to trust those Christian friends and not let us get off the path. And finally, God, I ask you that your voice is made loud in our lives, that you help us to see the importance of being in your word and praying to you every day and worshiping you. Help us to hear your voice and no one else. Help us to follow you and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this Apex Student Podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We pray that this message has impacted your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus.